0: All statements and opinions expressed by guests of the Adult in the Room podcast are strictly their own and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or opinions of the host, producers, or advertisers. All interviews are presented in their most complete possible form in the interests of free speech. No statements should be interpreted as financial, legal, or medical advice. Listener and viewer discretion are strongly advised.
1: It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. How are you today? Drew Thomas Allen is an author, a columnist, a podcaster, and a professional acquaintance of mine. He's the vice president of client development at Publius PR, which is a communications firm that works with lots of big shots like Dr. Ben Carson, Alan Dershowitz, which he's not been on my show yet. Hmm. Dr. Naomi Wolf, Peter Navarro, Carrie Lake, and many, many others. You have um seen him on Newsmax. You've probably heard him on the radio, political talk. He is a prognosticator and he's written a book called America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Whew. Drew, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. And that's a pretty good question, right?
0: It is, and it's a heavy topic for sure. We'll have some fun and levity, obviously. Life goes on, but, but it's true. There's no hyperbole in the title. There's no hyperbole in the book. People just have to get it, accept it. This is very, very serious. The situation we're in in America, but we can get through it like other Americans have in the past. Uh, but we've got to believe in each other and um, and band together.
1: You know, interesting. So the other day I was doing a piece for PJ Media and it was based on a treatment Salon did which so you know where that's going. Salon did on a a Washington Post editorial of all things. And basically it was about how um, women are not, uh, Democratic women do not want to date men who like Donald Trump or any other Republican uh, values and so and and how they're having a hard time this is a this is a tough thing you know and uh, they don't want to lower their standards and uh going out with a guy um like donald trump is like a guy you know it's like a guy who farts in public and picks his nose and all these other horrible things you know really antisocial behaviors and so the point is is that at po- at some point uh she would just say that this person is just so untenable i can't even see a Democrat with them. When you so loathe the other party, when you so loathe whatever values you perceive them to have or lack thereof, um, how do you reconcile those, those tribes and get them together and talk peacefully about the problems in this country?
0: Well, unfortunately, the burden is on us on the right. Um, the, the people on the left who, frankly, have uh, developmental illnesses, whether it's called Trump derangement syndrome or, you know, like like you're talking about. I mean, I read your piece. By oh, the good. way, I'm a, bi- I'm a big fan of your writing. You're, you're hilarious. Oh, thank
1: you. Oh, good. And Yay.
0: <laughs> it's like gets a message across, but it's fun to read. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the it's, it's, you know, p- men on the right are willing to maybe reach across the aisle and say, hey, I'm open to it. It's not the end-all be-all. But uh, women on the left aren't interested in doing the same thing for men on the right. But you know what it has to do with something? And I'm not the first one to say this, but one of the differences between you and me and somebody on the left is that we can separate someone's politics from them as a human being. So I understand that, frankly, the Democrat Party and that ideology, it's evil. But it doesn't mean that every Democrat voter is an evil, vile person. They're not all Barack Obama. They're not all the leaders of this movement following in the in, in the footsteps of Saul Alinsky and Karl Marx. But on the left, they can't separate. So you, Victoria Taft, if you come out and you support Trump, well, you are an evil person because you believe in that. And I got to be honest with you. You know, I lost in 2020. This isn't a sob story. Every look, I'm okay, everybody. I'm fine. I'm happily married. I got an eight-month-old daughter. I have many oh, friends. Congrats. Thank that's you, awesome. Victoria. But but I I mean I think other people experience this too. And I, I think it's worth sharing and being open about. 2020, because I supported Trump, I lost pretty much all of my friends because despite the fact that I work in this world now and I'm a publicist for a lot of famous people, that that's what they are. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Texas. I was born to conservative parents. I listened to Rush Limbaugh in the car with my dad. Right. But I was educated at an all male college preparatory Jesuit school in Dallas. It was very liberal. The Jesuits are liberal. I went to Pepperdine, uh, for college, but I was a theater major. So the theater departments are not bastions of conservatism. I was an actor in New York. Uh, I was an actor in LA at one point as well. I lived in Milan, Italy, and worked for Marc Jacobs in fashion, opening and managing retail stores. So I just, I just lay this out because most of my friends were actually leftists. My high school friends were all Democrats. They knew it. I wasn't like a closeted conservative. We used to fight about it uh, back in high school, circa two thousand one to two thousand five, mm. and twenty twenty. All those friends, they 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 said. They basically just cut ties with my, my, the best man in my wedding is no longer friends with me because he said he couldn't be friends with me anymore because of 2020. Longest friends in my life all said, F you. Says a lot about the danger of that ideology.
1: Well, that's true. And it's only getting worse, I think. At 2016, 2017, we had people in the streets in the Pacific Northwest and the usual uh, May Day stuff with the Antifa and that sort of thing. Uh, there was the Pulse nightclub shooting and so trans people and um, gays and lesbians were coming out and saying, you know, this. And it was a shooting and, and they thought it was just to target um, tra- trans and gay people. And I'm sure it was, but it was an actual jihadi attack. That shooting, so the point is is that there were people on the streets. things were getting real testy. Then Donald Trump is elected, and they could it was as if a bolt of lightning came out of the heavens and struck these people with some sort of disease, which you know which is Trump derangement syndrome, and they went nuts, and ever since it's gotten worse and worse. And worse and worse. And why is that, Drew? Why? Because of the media. I mean, sure, D- Donald Trump's a bombastic dude, okay? But anybody... I mean, that—that's See that guy on the speech, on the dais, giving a speech? Come on. That's not who that president is. That's somebody who's doing a speech and getting laughs. Anyway, I, I really feel... I Just go and look what he's done. Don't stop... Look what he's done. And look what Joe Biden's done, which is what your book's about, for crying out loud.
0: Well, it's, it's, you know, I have a chapter in there called But His Mean Tweets. And the point of that chapter is to point out that if you look at the actual facts, you know, they have created, I mean, they've created false personas for both joe biden and donald trump in the case of joe biden he's actually guilty of all the things they say trump is guilty of even though trump is not guilty of them trump's actually a pretty stand-up guy who you know yeah you can find some flaws like you could find flaws in me and other people but joe biden is a horrible for example there is a diary out there it is real it's corroborated Uh, It was Ashley Biden's diary. I know it was her diary because a judge actually prosecuted the two people that took the diary. So we know that it was Ashley Biden's diary. And in that diary, Ashley Biden writes about, suggests that her father showered inappropriately with her at a young age. Can you imagine if Donald Trump's daughter had a diary entry? that accused her father of... So my point is, it's actually Joe Biden who is an amoral, reprehensible human being. It's not Donald Trump. So they have to invent these uh, hoaxes, if you will, to to convey him as somebody who doesn't like the military or disparages the military, when it's Joe Biden who's done those things in the past, if you talk to people. And what I call that uh, response on our side... They have Trump derangement syndrome on the left. We have something called Trump fatigue syndrome, and it's it's the false correlation. It's the false idea that Trump is the problem, his personality is the problem, rather than the media and the Democrat Party. So if you substitute right now, and a lot of people—not a lot of people there's like ten people, but you know he's polling in single digits. But you know the Desantis people out there would say that you know they, they think that this is the solution, right? DeSantis, you know, if if he's the guy, they're not we're gonna have normalcy. We're not gonna have to fight anymore because they're gonna love they already are calling DeSantis Hitler, Hit you know, little Hitler and and so on. It's the same thing. Just go back. How short are our memories? Look at how they treated John McCain. Look at how they treated Mitt Romney, look how they treated George Bush. The only difference is those guys, all three of them, were losers. They took it. They apologized. They didn't fight back, they didn't stand up for themselves. And so the Democrats and the media can't stand having to face somebody where those tactics don't work. You're supposed to just bend the knee when they attack you because you're supposed to have such thin skin that you care so much about what the media says that you want them to like you. Donald Trump doesn't care. He's a different animal and he's an animal built for this occasion. And we should be embracing that and thankful that we have that rather than saying, let's fire the, uh, the, the starting QB and go with some guy who's going to be, you know, the old one. I mean, can you imagine if DeSantis got attacked? and was, was, you know, accused of the locker room talk, he never would have come out and just dismissed his locker room talk. He would have dropped out of the race, just like McCain botched it. when he w- You remember McCain? He was running those ads, and he was finally having success. People forget this. McCain could have actually defeated Obama. He could have. He was on the cusp, and he had these ads, and he was calling Obama a radical. He was pointing out the ties to Saul, I mean, to, um, to Bill Ayers, the radical domestic terrorist. And they were effective. They were effective. And you could see it working. And then they started to attack in the media John McCain's honor. And you don't attack John McCain's honor because he was a veteran. He was a, a prisoner POW, of war. POW,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Nothing more, was more important to John McCain than his honor. So they attacked that. And what did he do? He stopped running the ads. And he started saying how much he liked Obama. We have differences of opinion. But actually, Obama's a very good guy.
1: Remember so, what? What was that? What would he he paused his presidential race in the summer before the fall election? What was that for again? I can't remember. Was it a, an economic thing, or uh, well, we have to, you know, we we've got to pass this bill. This is very important because he believed the mobs. who said, "You don't care about America. How dare you?" And then he, oh well, I better stop. I better come off the campaign trail. And I can't, I, I can't remember exactly what it was about. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Paul Paul Ryan, he 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 is has run ads run against him. Uh, literally a you know a put up job with him running a grandma in a wheelchair off a cliff. I mean. <laughs> and Paul Paul Ryan is is one of the more not Republican people or not right people in the world. So, I mean, they would do it to anybody. You're right. Absolutely right. They would absolutely give this treatment to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. You notice everybody's going after Nikki Haley today. Oh, she's the best thing ever. Oh, my goodness. She's just the most wonderful thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It could be any one of them. I mean, Rama like Ramaswamy, he's the best ever. If they thought it would work to hurt Trump. Anyway, go. You're the You're the expert.
0: No, no, we're we're both uh, experts and adults in the room, you know, but 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 uh I mean, I'm visiting, but you know, you're the permanent adult in the room. Well, yeah. yeah, I just I just think that uh people need to adjust their mentalities and toughen up a little bit. I mean, we understand, I think, at this point who the left is, who the Biden regime is, who Obama is, what the left is doing to this country. And it's 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 really let me let me start this way, because it's optimistic. I've seen a change. So in the past, while Trump was president, even leading up to 2020, there were many Republicans, people I knew and talked to on a regular basis, and they were sheepish about Trump. Right? They didn't really like him. They bought the media narrative. And they they weren't really never Trumpers, but they would always apologize for him. Like, I wish I didn't have to vote for him. Why do we have to have Trump? You know, they were defensive. They still do it. They, they still, still do, do
1: it. You know, whether you like him or hate him, Donald Trump did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, stop saying stop qualifying that. Just say Donald Trump did X, Y, or Z. That's it. That's all I have to yes.
0: do. Yes. Yes. Get stop qualifying. The left doesn't qualify their support of Biden, who's the worst president in US history. But but the one thing you are seeing now, and I saw it with um with Cuomo, not Andrew. What's the younger brother that was on that pod? Chris. Chris yeah. Cuomo. Yeah, he was on a podcast. Fredo. Fredo, yeah, that's right. Fredo was on the po- on a podcast, and he came out and said, you know, he could consider voting for Trump. Now, contextually, he wasn't coming out and supporting Trump. He wasn't really bashing Biden. He was kind of equivocating the two, uh, Biden and, and Trump, saying they both suck. But Biden was so bad, maybe he could go for Trump. But my point is, it was a very telling response. That's a positive indicator for us who actually love this country and want to save it, because. In the past, a Democrat would have no problem standing up and actually just defending their candidate. The Biden administration is so embarrassing and humiliating and indefensible that you finally have Democrats who still might vote Democrat, probably will vote Democrat, but they're at least feeling a little bit of shame. They're feeling what the media wanted us to feel for years and years when we had to say, yeah, um, I've Trump, I don't like his personality either. Uh, you know, so so they, 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 they put you on the defense and we got to change that. We have such an enormous, I'd say one of the greatest opportunities, honestly, in our history to make converts to the cause of freedom. If we just have a positive message to people about Trump. And I, you know, I had a piece in American Greatness last week, I think it was. And I was making the point. What's going on right now with this fake primary that's going on in the Republican Party where, you know, Trump is obviously going to be the nominee. I mean, I don't know why we're doing this, but, well, I do know why. But anyway, but 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 the problem is it's it's like, and I'm sorry to say this if if you love DeSantis. If you're one of these people, though, I'm not apologizing to you because you're part of the problem. But if you're just a DeSantis supporter, you're fine. But if you're one of these Steve Deese Dace types out there, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, that, yeah, yeah, that's just out there like viciously, like adopting a never Trump almost mentality, where you are bastardizing Trump's history, where you won't even come out and recognize that actually the most terrifying thing we face as a nation is the unprecedented persecution of Donald Trump, the absolute devotion to jailing him, putting him in prison, that's the same thing, for crimes that he didn't even commit. Right? That's the biggest obstacle we face. That's the greatest threat to this nation right now, them interfering like that in this election. And you have the DeSantis camp that won't come out and condemn it, not in absolute terms, because their only chance of DeSantis getting the nomination is if Donald Trump somehow is prevented from running or stuck in prison. And if you can't, rec- like, you can run against Trump, that's fine. But if you can't also come out in this moment in history and recognize the gravity of this situation and defend Trump against it. I'm sorry. You are disqualified from ever holding higher office because that is what's called upon. That's what we all face and it's going to be you or me if they go to if they get Trump.
1: Yeah, it's a disqualifier. You're absolutely right. I I will say I know that DeSantis has, has uh, talked about Trump being persecuted and prosecuted before. Let me play for you the soundbite that came out just the other day. Um, Here's Tucker Carlson. He's on Roseanne Barr's podcast talking about why he's unabashedly supporting Trump.
2: I mean, I've always agreed with Trump's policies, always. And I lost friends over it. Um, But and i've never really actively supported anybody because it's not my job to actively support people right. i watch you know right. i like to watch um but i'm a voyeur <laughs> yeah but i became an active trump supporter when they raided mar-a-lago last summer the summer of 2022 that, that that's just that can't stand
1: no that can't
2: and i with something. agree with trump on a lot but even if i disagreed with trump on a lot i'd still be a trump supporter because you cannot allow that you cannot allow the You know, the regime, the president of the United States to use the Justice Department to knock the front runner out of the race. You can't do that.
1: No, you can't do that.
2: So it's bigger than Trump. It's bigger than Biden. It's a question of, you know, do you want to live in a free country with a functioning justice system? You know, that's exactly. And so I'm voting for Trump. And if they convict him, I will send him the max donations and I will lead protests that's how I feel that's how I feel because and by the way if I thought that he had committed some real crime I wouldn't feel that way but he didn't Mm -hmm. he and Biden are both found with classified documents at home along with every other former high-level federal official in history but only Trump is indicted like tell me how that works oh shut up
1: and and Biden is the one who did it illegally because he was never president when he did it
2: do you think Dick Cheney brought home any like classified Iraq war documents and showed them to his wife in 2003 yes is the answer
1: you know, my, my guess is that, that Tucker Carlson probably knows that uh, firsthand that uh, Dick Cheney had some documents. So, so Drew Allen, that is the kind of, that's the kind of stand people need to take. That, that is wrong that they did. I've done that, uh, of course, in my writing and here on the program, but, uh, this legal grind that they're attempting to do, it's so obvious and clear that this is what the left is doing to Donald Trump. How does that ultimately play out? How does he take that in his reins and make it a positive on the campaign trail? How do you do that?
0: Well, I would say in some ways, even without him doing much, it is having a kind of positive beneficial effect um, because his support is growing. People are do seem to be recognizing that this is And intolerable for us as Americans. I've talked to many of those former never Trumpers who actually decided that they were going to start supporting Trump and they were done uh, qualifying their comments in defense of him because of the, because of after the third indictment or the fourth indictment, they said, I've had enough of this. I'm not tolerating this. I am supporting Trump. And it's true. I mean, look, and on top of that, Trump was a great president. He wasn't a perfect president. I'm gonna have a debate with somebody, I think, on some podcast uh today, on on Wednesday, Victoria, who wants to get into it with me about the COVID situation and Operation Warp Speed. Because I I think though I think there are legitimate reasons to have complaints with Trump over some of the COVID handling, but I don't think that it's I, I, I think it's unfair to some extent because we're using hindsight uh to judge it on. And this is this is one of my problems too with the kind of Some of the main arguments from the DeSantis camp, too, is one, they're rewriting not only Desantis's history, but also Trump's history. And they're using um, uh, presentism, right, where you judge the events of the past based on what you know now and change norms and so on and so forth. So when DeSantis says, like, I would have fired Fauci, well, you praised Fauci in the beginning and you campaigned for Trump uh, right up until the very end. You had his ear Uh, So you say now it's very convenient that you would fire Fauci. Everyone would fire Fauci, knowing what we know, I think, at this point. But why didn't you call for the firing of Fauci in 2020, since you're just so certain that you would have done things differently? And also the idea that the president of the United States, I mean, he was right there lockstep with DeSantis. Um, in terms of calling for governors to reopen, but he wasn't a Napoleon. He wasn't a dictator. He couldn't unilaterally get, what he was supposed to send in the military to go and, um, I don't know, raid the Sacramento governor's mansion in California, you know, where I live and arrest Gavin Newsom. I mean, okay, okay sure. So I, I just, I don't get that. And they attack him on the wall. And that was a big campaign promise. But it's disingenuous to suggest that he didn't do everything in his power to try and achieve that. Uh, You actually had Republicans who opposed that happening. The same Republicans who had no problem voting to send $113 billion plus to Ukraine to defend their border. Those are the same Republicans who said that $10 billion we just couldn't afford to build a wall. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it was Republicans who voted to confirm Christopher Wray and the FBI. It was yeah. Republicans who thought that was fantastic. So,
1: yeah, I mean, there's some personnel, bad personnel decisions he made. And I and I know that he's got teams of people out there making, you know, doing the top line, secondary, tertiary and all the way down to beyond where the Senate has to approve people. Because you have to go farther down into the swamp to find good people. So you just can't keep it top level because obviously, I mean, come on. General Milley, what a loser! Oh, man. What a freaking loser! And I mean, he's I know a he, Well, I, uh, yes, he actually is. Explain to people why he's a traitor because, um, we I know that he called China again around the back of the president, but there were a couple of rebe- revela- uh, revelations that came out recently that I, I was like, What? But I don't precisely remember. But they were. Well,
0: the the, the two that I'm familiar with, I mean, the the big one that really legitimately meets the criteria and definition of a traitor is that, yes, while Donald Trump was president, he actually called his counterpart in China and told them, hey, if Donald Trump makes a move or does anything against you guys, I will make sure to let you know ahead of time. That is treason. Going to a foreign enemy nation and having a buddy conversation with them, letting them know that if we do anything, we're gonna let them know ahead of time. That's treason. And and this is a guy too, who claimed falsely. There were I don't know it was, a, it was in the Washington Post probably. He claimed that Donald Trump was planning to blow up Iran, basically. Right? Oh I mean, that, yes. Millie was saying that that was Trump's plan. Millie
1: was the guy doing it.
0: <laughs> and Millie was the guy who was doing it. Yeah, so, remember,
1: remember when he wanted to send uh, – Trump wanted to send troops to – or uh, get troops out of Syria. And then I can't recall the official who said this out loud later when he left office that, oh, well, we just sort of moved people around a little bit. We didn't actually do what he wanted us to do. What the hell?
0: Yeah. And well, he was
1: more right than – he was more right than those guys were.
0: Exactly, you, you know it's it's amazing. Um, when Trump was in office, you, you know, yeah, you you you. It's such. I mean, the government, as we know, is so massive. Obviously, you you have to uh uh give other people responsibilities. But you you knew that Donald Trump ultimately was making was calling the shots at the end of the day with stuff. I mean, and he was so he was so uh revolutionary in some ways with his dealings with China, with highlighting that relationship and how dangerous it was. We weren't really talking about that before Trump. Um, And of course, the left will say, nobody feared Trump, really? Is that that why we didn't have all these escalating conflicts around the world under him? Yes, everyone fears Joe Biden. That's why we have Russia invading Ukraine. That's why we have uh, what's going on in the Middle East with Iran. I mean, I just, I am like begging people, Victoria, and I have make more arguments than this in my book, but one of the chapters I I, I ask people, this is a unique situation, right? Uh, We have actually lived under a Trump presidency and we have lived under a Biden presidency. Now, Reagan famously looked into the camera during his one and only debate with Jimmy Carter and he asked the American people, are you better off today than you were four years ago? The answer was, No. And he won in a landslide. But you know, Reagan, they just had to take his word for it. He had not been president before. They could only base it on his actions in the past, his uh, uh, role as a governor. But but, you know, now look at this. Ask yourself the question, are you better off under Biden than you were under Trump? I mean, that to me is like the gold standard in this election. Like, if you have any sense of self-preservation, if you have kids or anybody around you that's alive, (laughs) who you love, and vice versa, like, it's the easiest election ever. Like, do you want peace throughout the world? Do you want an economy that works again? Like, do you want the border closed? I mean, these are no-brainers.
1: He could have put the government on uh, just set and forget, just keep doing what Trump was doing and been a hell of a lot better. Our country would have been so much better. But you you do talk about some of the problems, some of the issues that Joe Biden has done during his presidency. And you have to wonder, it's been said that if he had tried to ruin this country, he would have done nothing different. This is how bad his decision making has been. And, I, you know, you have to ask yourself, whose side is he on? The Afghanistan pullout is just one example you give.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I felt it was important because I think one of the things that is actually beneficial to the Biden regime, in one way, how bad they are helps them because you wake up and you think that things can't get worse, or you think that the glass ceiling of insanity has been set, but they break through it every single day and you just leave chaos. It's like a, an arson strategy, I call it, where they're just lighting so many fires, you're so distracted, you're you you you're, you're immobilized in despair. And I thought it was important to chronicle most of these things because, I mean, look, one of the first things he did when he came into office was he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. Like, I mean, what and it he did And then goes back in Russia
1: for, for fuel. I mean, what the- f- what are you talking about? And anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. you no, 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 no,
0: no, but no, but that was, that was day <laughs> one. And it's like, it's, it's hard to believe that things just keep cascading like they are out of control. And, and I, I think a lot of people are waking. I mean, like what's going to be, I, I mean, I think in some way, I'm hoping we can make it to 2024. Um, because things are so perilous right now. Economically. Um, they last year, for example, quarter two, The Biden administration lied to the American people, and they said the jobs report indicated that he had created one million new jobs. And then in December, right, months and months and months later, after everyone was told that the economy was doing great because a million jobs were created in Q2, I think it was the Philadelphia Fed that came out and said, actually, we looked at all the information, and he only created 10,000 jobs. So are we in a recession right now? I mean, I would argue that we are. I but, think we
1: are. But, but, but the there, there's so much t- quantitative easing and nobody wants to tell us what the real facts are. I, honestly, when you have to spend $11,000 more per year, $850 more a month to stay level with where you were last year, two years ago, honey, that's a recession. When, and when mortgage rates are through the roof that it, no one can afford to buy a home unless you've got lots and lots of money, I mean, that's a recession. When you go out to the store, and like I did two days ago, and I got three, four bags of um, groceries, bought no, no, wait, correction, I bought one. Roasted chicken. You know, the roasted things of the daily One, I didn't buy a bunch of real fancy stuff. $274. Now I can afford to do that. But on I can tell you right now, there are people using EBT in those stores. They can't afford that. They can't afford that. And there are people. There are people, there, there, there are people in our local food bank, food bank, uh, people going to the food bank up this year. Sixty percent. That's a recession.
0: That's well, for hell. Sure. When you when you have people taking out credit cards for the first time in their lives, who have sworn their whole lives that they were never going to incur credit debt, credit card debt that they couldn't pay off immediately because they were responsible, but now their only option is to accumulate credit card debt, otherwise their families and kids don't eat. And to hear this administration that's full of sociopaths, and I'm serious, they do not care. They will sit there and lie to you and tell you that you've never had it so good. And I have to hope and believe that the American people really can't tolerate this anymore. Even former Democrat voters, that they can't tolerate this anymore because, you know, we're headed for some dire straits. And. I do explain what it's going to look like in the book, you know, if, if they reelect Biden or some other Democrat, you know, people will be begging for high energy costs because you're going to have uh, rationing of energy uh, instead. You won't even be, have the option of spending a fortune to buy gasoline, you know, you won't have it available to you anymore because they're going to destroy the entire uh, oil and gas sector, which they've already started doing uh, in a big way. So, you know, it, I mean, it's like, do you want World War Three? Yes or no? No. Okay. Don't vote for Joe Biden. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, hard to
1: it's hard to to think that we're right there anyway at the precipice of it between oh. Iran, Hamas doing their thing at uh, Iran's behest, Russia with uh, China. I mean, we used to have those guys, uh, you know, on lock against each other, but we don't have that anymore. We don't have that wedge anymore. We have them working together. And then we have Joe Biden held in, uh, what do they call it? Uh, elite capture by the CCP.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the elephant in the room. You talk about it, I talk about it, but a lot of people still don't talk about it. And obviously, yes, Joe Biden has been bribed. He's bought and paid for by not just the communist Chinese, but other foreign countries as well. But if they have bought off Biden... Do you think that they haven't also bought off members of Congress? So when you look at Republicans and Democrats and you say this uniparty, this doesn't make sense, how they can keep doing this. Well, it's not that complicated. They sold their soul because they they have been bribed, just like Joe Biden has been bribed. And they fear the blackmail. You know, it's amazing because, you know, if... I don't know. I, I just look at like what ha- happened to George Santos. And obviously... You know, yeah, What he did. He, he's not guilty of anything more than Joe Biden did or uh, Focahontas in terms of lying about his resume. And obviously he wasn't even found guilty yet. But the point is, the people that voted to expel him from Congress, I guarantee you, most of them are guilty of far more serious crimes than he's ever committed. We just don't know about him.
1: Insider trading, not the least of which.
0: Oh, oh, of of course, of course. I mean, you get these people. Like, I mean, they've never they've never had like a, a an actual job. They go in there to Congress, and they're worth millions on a two hundred twenty eight thousand dollar whatever salary, which is good money, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. These Not guys if you're really trying to don't keep do much.
1: households on you know coast to coast, though. It's hard. Yeah, it sure. is hard. Which is why some of them sleep in the sleep in the Capitol. So, what would you say? I I recognize that America's last stand. Uh, will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024 is, you know, the name of your book. But it's more than Afghanistan. It's more than this uh, choice to uh, make everything more expensive. He goes out and says that Bidenomics is working. I mean, I I don't understand. What other things have you chronicled in your book that you want to highlight in this interview?
0: Well, Honestly, I'd say, the long, there are 18 chapters in this book, I think, and the longest chapter is called 21st Century Jim Crow. And I get into the history of the Democrat Party, the fact that they claimed that there was a big switch that, you know, 1964 with the Civil Rights Act that we just switched. All of a sudden, the Republicans became the racists and the Democrats became champions of black. Never happened. Welfare is slavery. Um... But 21st century Jim Crow, let me let me start with this story. If you remember during the Trump administration, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was his press secretary at one point. He went through like like 20 of them, no, like three or four. Uh, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders tried to dine at a restaurant called the Red Hen, I think in Lexington, Virginia. And the owner recognized who she was and kicked her out of the restaurant. Wouldn't let her eat there. Now, that was under the Trump administration, and what I am telling you, with the FBI going after uh, targeting, you know, grandmas from J6, them going after people who weren't even prosecuted for, you know, protesting outside abortion clinics and so on and so forth, the FBI has been weaponized against the American people, and there is kind of an uh, unofficial code of conduct today, which is reminiscent of Jim Crow. Jim Crow, of course, was, uh, you know, segregation of black Americans, well, that same code now is applied to people who don't, aren't Democrats, who are conservative or MAGA. Uh, you are discriminated against. If you are uh, a, 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 an NBA coach, if you're an NFL coach, Jack Del Rio, for example, called J6 a dust-up compared to BLM. What happened to him? Well, they they fined him. They basically uh, they threatened to fine him, and they would have fired him if he didn't come back and recant his statement. Gina Carano was fired for astutely pointing out that the political climate— Dangerous, scary under COVID, under the Democrat Party and these tyrants was eerily reminiscent of the climate you saw in Nazi Germany. And she was proven correct, of course, uh, by the actions of the Democrats that came later. So you have this society that we have become, unfortunately, kind of familiar with and tolerant of in some way in which you're fearful to be conservative. You're fearful to be MAGA because the FBI is... Looking at you as domestic terrorists, you have James Carville, what a moron, going on TV recently and and saying that you know that that's what Democrats think about us, you know that we're domestic terrorists and so on and so forth. That Christians are terrorists. I mean, I mean, it's just it's crazy that in the gaslighting the way they talk about us. I mean, Joe Biden giving that speech from hell, uh, it, it reminiscent of of Hitler standing there in front of Independence Hall last year, I think it was, saying that you know, MAGA is uh, extremists or, you know, semi-fascists and so on and so forth. So, I mean, that's scary because in, 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 the, in the most extreme form of that 21st century Jim Crow, you have them doing what they're doing to Donald Trump. And the point is, the guardrails are coming off. Like, if they can do that to Trump and get away with it, his, on, his only retribution is us putting him in office again. That's it. Like he, he may very well be put in prison because it doesn't matter that he didn't commit crimes. They have bastardized, corrupted the justice system. It doesn't matter. They can get a corrupt judge and a corrupt jury in DC that agrees with him. It doesn't matter. They could, they could accuse him of jaywalking and make it a federal crime somehow and stick him in, uh, the gulags on the Potomac with the J six folks.
1: What's interesting, there are many interesting things that you bring up in your book, but one of the things is that, you know, you talk about, we've already lived through a Trump presidency, and he didn't send people to gulags. He didn't weaponize his government against his political enemies. He didn't do anything to spy on American citizens that he's aware of, I'm sure, unless it was just him. There are a variety of things that now they're saying, oh, well, if he gets into and if he gets into office again, he's going to use the DOJ and the FBI against his political enemies, accusing him, that which he did not do, of doing that things that they are doing right now against him. I mean, it's just who's buying this? Is anybody is anyone buying this?
0: It's it's all they have. Somebody's buying it. Uh, probably the friends that excommunicated me from their, uh, world probably buy into it still. Maybe some of them have come around, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, who is buying? I mean, it's, it's just so absurd. It's so absurd on so many levels, this idea that, it's like, I mean, it's like the Nazi party. Uh, I don't know. Obviously losing World War Two, and let's pretend they weren't, uh, forbidden from existing anymore. But some other party came in there that had opposed the Nazis, and then the Nazis are screaming about how the, you know, the good guys who are defending the Jews, well, they're now going to come after the Nazis and put us in prison. I, maybe you belong in prison. I mean, you, you're a bunch of criminals. Like, I mean, w- 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 there are dumb people out there, though, unfortunately.
1: Drew, thank you so much for coming on the adult in the, the room podcast. Appreciate you uh, doing that and coming on and writing your book, that's amazing. Face, or that is just, uh, just awesome. I appreciate you doing that.
0: Where well, can they find I you? you?
1: Where do they find you and where do they find your book?
0: Oh yeah. On that, um, a gross place called X, formerly Twitter, that <laughs> cesspool. You can find me there. Drew Thomas <laughs> Allen. Uh, I have a sub stack where I kind of post my, my podcast available everywhere. I have a podcast, the Drew Allen show. Mm-hmm. Um, But I have a Substack, .substack drewallen.substack.com, and the book is on Amazon. That's the best place to get it. Amazon. It's uh, available, Kindle paperback, and then I I narrate it myself. I heard Uh, that. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but but no, I mean, I just hope it's useful to people. It should be. Uh, That's why I wrote it. Uh, We got you know, we've got work to do, but we should still be uplifted. You know, my message is not one of despondency because I'm really glad that you're here with me, Victoria. I'm glad I'm here because I don't want to leave it up to somebody else to save the country. You know, I actually believe yeah. in our capacity to do the right thing, and uh, and I think we will. But we've got to fight like hell.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I like the fact that you leave it on a positive note, because I wouldn't be still, you know, fighting away and writing the way I do and doing the things I do and saying the things I do if I didn't believe that there was a way out of it. And I think there is. I just don't know if everybody's going to cooperate. <laughs>
0: Listen to Victoria. You cannot go wrong.
1: Thank you. Excellently said. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, Mischief Managed.